This is where we're at. Uh, this week, we are in week three of this um, some of the series. I'm not big on the topic of this stuff, but I wanted to conquer some of a little bit of this uh, this week before we jump back into something different, uh, which I'm kind of in the middle of also working on uh, as we continue to push forward. Uh, so the past few weeks, we've been tackling, I would, I would say, the real issues uh, that we all experience and we all face. This morning, we're going to dive back into that uh, and, and uh, what I believe may be the core problem that exists with the last two uh, subjects. So, if you remember, we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the power of the word, right? And last week, the power of forgiveness, right? Uh, from the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, from a loving heart can flow loving words, right? We, we learned that. It's not that of the treasures of a loving heart. You don't have a loving heart. Your mouth is not very loving as well. Uh, uh, but also, we also talked about uh, how the loving heart, uh, we talked about forgiveness, only a loving heart can forgive. Uh, so at the core or at the root of these two uh, biblical disciplines is love. Is love. Uh, and this is where I think a lot of people get hung up. I think they have an idea of what love is. As a matter of fact, uh, I think the majority of our problems as Christians is we don't have a very good biblical idea of what God is about. Uh, uh, we, we, we know what's popular. We know what people say. I'm, my biggest fear, especially as a pastor, somebody who reads the Bible and understands it, is that we have no idea what God says. We don't know what God says. The truth is, as a pastor, is how many times I get asked all the time about what God's word or what is presumptuous to know what God's will is. And secondly, God has already given you a list of things that are His will. I would say walk in those first, and I promise you, you will find your purpose as it unfolds. And, and truthfully, and then if you ask somebody what they, well, what are the things that we know that God's will is, right? And you go, well, I don't know. Well, then there's the first place to start. 
There's the first place to start. Learn what God's will already is concerned with this life now, right? And then you can kind of press on, right? Uh, but, but we have this idea that we think we know. It's the arrogance of us, right? Uh, one of the things I, I sat with uh, uh, Chad uh, Nelson a little bit this week, and we were talking about um, we were talking about how we're talking about wisdom, basically. When I when we were saying this, that when I was 22, I got out of the military. I'd been around a little bit. Uh, I uh, I knew a lot, right? I mean, like at 22, I knew more than most 22 year olds given. But I thought I know pretty much everything I needed to know, all right? And you couldn't convince me otherwise, like, yeah, I'm sure there's things I don't know, but I can learn it. It's not that hard, right? At 30, I'm still kind of there, like, uh, come on. Now I've, I, now I've got a little bit more knowledge under my belt, more than maybe most people at 30, especially when it comes to the Bible. And I really started to see the separation between me and a lot of other people who didn't know the Bible uh, the, the interesting thing is when I was young and wanted to talk about the Bible didn't know a lot, people were happy to tell me a ton of stuff about the Bible. As I became more Bible knowledge, people were like, I, I don't want to talk to you about the Bible. I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk to you about it. Because then you start realizing what they don't know, and nobody likes to, to find out what they don't know. Especially if you're in your 30s also, or you know that same age group, but you think you still, like, I know a lot. Come on, I've been through my 20s now. I'm pretty much an adult, by the way. You still say uh, adults never walk around going, I'm an adult, everyone. They just don't say that, right? You're still a kid if you're still saying, I'm an adult. Um, so uh, here's what happens, right? And then we were laughing about it. When we turned, there was a certain age, for me it was about 32, 33, somewhere in there, uh, um, where all of a sudden uh, I started to have some epiphanies, not, and really that just, not about wisdom or anything, but like really just about my own life. Uh, and I'd come to this place where I think she's like, I, I don't know everything. Can I tell you, the minute you admit that is when you have wisdom. Like, the older I get, the more I know that I know nothing. <laughs> right? I mean, like, that's what I end up learning. The older I get, the, the wiser, say, the wiser I become. You know why you become wise? Because you realize you don't know. You don't know. Well, why is this? I have no idea. You know, my great response today, we were laughing and you were laughing. That's a great question. When I say that, I mean, I have no answer. Right? I mean, it's a great question, and I'm sure there's an awesome answer out there. I just don't have that. And it's a great question. So, I mean, that's that's really when you start to understand wisdom. And, 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 and I think that's kind of the idea. We think we know what love is. Like, from an early age, we, we have this basic concept that's driven because there's something inside of us, and I'm going to get into some of that. Um, but we don't have any kind of discipline or any kind of education about and uh, I, I think because we don't have this biblical idea of what love is, this is where we get hung up. For us, often, love is a feeling. However, our feelings are not always correct at times. This is another thing that comes with wisdom. One of the things that uh, I, uh, I kind of uh, have looked into this, you know, one of the things we, as guys, we make fun of this, you know, my daughter recently fell down and scraped her up. Up and my first response as a guy was, and she, I was like, well, where did this happen? She was like, well, it's right down the rock road. I fell down. It's like, do we need to drive out there and get your feelings? Pick them back up, put them back on the bike, and carry them back. Uh, yeah, that was kind of funny. But, uh, but, but that's, as guys, we tend to make fun of that. And uh, one of the things that we learn about with feelings is that they're just not always correct. They're not always correct. You can feel a certain way. That doesn't make it 
was funny. Here it is off the field. Like, I'm just trying to defend myself, but it's still wrong. It's still wrong. Right? The Bible says you're supposed to forgive. You're supposed to abandon any idea of bitterness. Right? So it's still wrong, even though it feels bad. But that's not fair. It's a, you know, they did this thing. I get that. I get that. But for your sake, not theirs, you should forgive. Because if you don't, it will make you flesh and senseless. It's made you all these things. People don't want to be around you. That's just how it is. Right? And, 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 and in the military, I remember you know, this is guy we talked about. So one thing I really had very much to talk about in Christianity, which is detaching yourself to make decisions. Like when we make decisions as leaders, we should detach ourselves from emotion. You know how you do this in Christianity? It took a lot of thought because I never hear it. You should apply the word above your feelings. What does the Bible say? The Bible speaks these things. So guess what? You don't need to hang on to that. No matter how good it feels or how right it feels or how justified it feels, the Bible says no. So you can cry and whine like a baby all you want. And when you're done throwing your fit, you've lived in your bitterness long enough, it's time to forgive for your sake. By the way, like we talked about last week, right? Jesus tied your forgiveness to your own. So how much you forgive is what he forgives you. How do you forgive him too? Right? This is the truth. He applies truth above our feelings. And so that's kind of what we're going to do when we talk about love. The only time that we realize all of this, that when our feelings are getting us right, right, is when this collision happens between the truth and the God's love, right? Right? So I mean, like, I'm not going to get into it. Go apply the love that you have or against that love. And watch this. By the way, this is what you'll know that you don't have it. You'll, you'll read 1 Corinthians 13 and everything he talks about love is really new. You should immediately and literally go, there's no way I measure up to this. This is why I need Jesus. Because my love does not measure up to this version that Paul says. This is what love is based off everything he knows about Jesus. God says, I ordain this as the great definition of love by placing it in the Bible. Right? These are God's words through the Apostle And we don't measure up. So that's the contrast. This is where we see biblical love versus the love we have. Right? So, now, again, I, I want to push a little deeper. I want to, I want to challenge us in just a couple of areas that maybe things we haven't thought in, and then it can turn on green. And so we're, we're going to start with just some obvious things uh, real quick when we talk about love. Uh, uh, first of all, that we're just a uh, uh, people that are obsessed with love. It's true, man. It, it's natural. We're made by God. God is love. First John 4, 8. Right? If, if, if you don't have to follow along, I've got some bigger scriptures that are coming in. We'll, we'll go there. Uh, but First John 4, 8 says, but anyone who does not love uh, does not know God. For God is love. Right? So if we're created by God, and also made in the image of God, then it's safe to presume that we are made in love. And we are designed to give love, and we are designed to receive love. Right? This is the relational side of everything, right? That love is in the middle of all of it. It's pretty simple. This, again, is something that was created in us by God, which means that we are born longing for love. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. Love has the ability to move us, right? To drive us, create 
passion within us, purpose. It changes us, right? I mean, it was out of being in love that I would sell off everything that I did love, or I thought I loved, stuff or possessions, to chase my wife to Washington. You, you've got to be in love to go to Washington State. <laughs> Amen. To leave Texas, let's get real. Texas, to go live in Washington State, you have to be in love. Now, and everyone talks about love. They're like, the whole world is talking about love in some fashion, right? Some of the greatest songs ever to be written deal with love. One of the ones that, if you were at our wedding uh, with Joy and I, you heard uh, me sing one of them. We were going back to all these different love songs, but uh, one of the ones that we sing a lot is one that came out of a movie that's Come What May, and in that song, uh, it's about two people that can't be together, but when they sing this song, wherever they are, they always think about it, they always find each other. And uh, again, that is somebody made that song up. I mean, they wrote the song for something like that. They're trying to in, in capture love in words, which is very hard to do. There are tons of movies out there where the whole plot is nothing but a big love thing. There's a whole love plot, right? So here's a few just to see, just for fun, to see if you like know any of these. How about this? Uh, I, I wouldn't have known this one. This is me doing some study, but you girls probably should know some of this. But you remember one? I'm scared of walking out of this room and never feeling the rest of my whole life the way I feel. Did I get that one? This is one of my favorites. Sometimes the only way to catch an uncatchable woman is to offer her a baby. Big fish. Right? Everybody should get this one. I may not be a smart man, but I know what love is. Horace Gump. Horace Gump. Yeah, yeah, right? How about this? You guys, you should know this one because this is, this is like a guy's, more like a guy's love story kind of thing, right? You stay alive. No matter what occurs, I will find you. No matter how long it takes, no matter how far, I will find you. Anybody? Jerry, got it? Man. It's not a romantic. Last of the Mohicans. I've never seen it. That's like one of those movies where guys still like it. It's got this whole love story going on, too. Guys are like, yes. It's awesome. Uh, how about this one? This is for you, ladies. Uh, uh, what I really want to do with my life, what I want to do. I want to stay with you. I want to be with your daughter. I'm saying you. That's awesome. Right? So, listen, it's fun. And I can go on. It's fun to look at movies and tell stories. And some get it right. Most of it is wrong. But she can go mention that is so wrong. That's like one of the worst stories ever. What? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'll give you about two minutes of why it's bad. Because when you watch the notebook, we always love the end. That's what we see, the end, right? And we see this end where, welcome to spoiler, they both die. But they die together. And if you've been married for a long time, that seems pretty awesome. Because at least none of you have to experience life without the other. This seems like this beautiful way to go. Awesome. Beautiful, right? They've been married all these years. seems awesome. But then you see, like, what it took to get them together. That they basically wrecked the lives of She's about to get married. He jumped like she was happy, uh, totally about to get married to this other guy. And she thinks that what he is like a part of her past. What did he do? He doesn't respect the fact that she's about to get married to somebody else. He jumped right in. Right? Breaks that whole thing up. This guy would walk away completely heartbroken. Meanwhile, he's sleeping with a girl who physically knows, who literally knows that he's always thinking about the other girl. 
hoping that he'll quit thinking about her and talking about his kids. They end up wrecking other people's lives to find those kids. It's like the worst love story. Like, that's never, like, I don't want my whole love story to be built off of wrecking people's other people's yeah. lives. Like, that's why I don't find that, that, that story right. Do I want the end? Yes. Yes. But I don't want how, I don't want that foundation. Right? That's not how, that's not how I did it. I, I can't see that as the romance part. Right? The romance part is about staying together. We'll get into it. So, so a lot of them get it wrong. And there's a ton of them where I say, okay, that are considered some great love stories today. I think just because they still end up, it somehow still ends up working out. And you think that's okay. But, uh, listen, we're the children of TV, we're the children of movies and songs, right? And, and, and we get really lost in how love works. And honestly, what love is, this is what I'm saying, biblical approach to love and what love is, how to love, right? And then there's how everybody else just understands it. And, and that's just how it is. So how, how do we course correct? How do, how do we find our way back to biblical? Well, we go back. We go to the Bible, right? We return. That's the whole idea of return. We, we turn around. We come back. We look at the Bible. We go, what is our foundation? What is the truth? How do we, how do we combat the feelings that we feel versus what, we, what, what the truth of what God says is when we go back to the Bible? This is what all the disciples do. Period. We go back to the Bible. Good disciples recognize that the one immovable object in our culture is God. Our culture is going to change. Listen, if you watch any of the shows that deal with the 80s and 90s and see how they dress, right? Look at the 60s, 50s. Look at how everybody dresses, right? God is still the same. God made it through the beehive hair. God made it through the box. Uh-huh. God made it through the weird-looking shades and the weird haircuts of the 80s. Why see them? Come on. Right? God made it through the 90s with all the, listen, men or women didn't used to wear the straight pants. It was the rock and roll guys that did. Right? All the rock and rolls were all the girl stuff, and the girls didn't wear that. Now the girls wear all the 80s rock and roll stuff that the guys wore. Right? How was the pants came back? Come on. Like weird stuff. Like culture changes all the time. You will laugh at what you used to like. You will laugh at it. But God never changed. He's a rule. This is why if you don't anchor yourself to the word of God, which is immovable, you'll find yourself tossed about in the world. Changing rules, always changing back and forth. There's not anything it says is cool for the moment. Back what was cool 60 years ago. So what does the Bible say? Well, we're, 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. This is where we struggle. We struggle right here. We don't like to admit it, but we struggle loving. Anyway. And that's the key, right? It's easy to love those who love us. Simple, right? And those who love, like it's easy, right? Those who genuinely care for it's easy for, for us to love, right? But how do I love anyone? Guys, you don't know how these people are. You don't live here in Mall Falls. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just the lack. So God shares his love with the world. You don't have to receive it, but he shares it with you nonetheless. He's given it to you. You can always receive Christ. You don't have to. He, his love put Christ on the cross. Cross Jesus died for you. You don't have to receive it. You don't have to believe that. But he still did it in love. I was thinking about even the ones that are against him at times. I said it before and I'll say it again. Even I messed up, she and I can get along. Listen, that's why God gave me a wife, man. <laughs> so I got to help course correct him, man. He humble me and, and say at times there has to be somebody in my life that can say, hey, you're wrong. That has to be people in my life be able to say, say that to me, right? I need God to forgive me just like everyone else. And listen, forgiveness is the fruit that grows on the tree of love. We see God's love as forgiving, grace, mercy-filled kind of love expressed in Jesus Christ. Many remember Romans 5, 8, but God shows, and maybe the better word here is really revealed, but God shows his love for us that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even while we were still ignorant and, 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 and prideful and arrogant, Christ died for us. Even though some of us were never going to believe in Christ, we, can't, we, we look at that as fake or phony or we have this preconceived notion or we think we're too smart. He's still dying for us. He still did that. Right? He, even when he went to the cross, he's like, you know, they haven't even made a decision yet. I'm still going to do this. Right? And it's still going to do this. even had my own I'm still going to do this. But what if they never? I'm, I'm still going to die for them so that if they believe, this will always be the end of the world for them. If they believe. We see in Christ that it is love that brought him to the cross. It is love that is great. So what was the issue with the sons of God? Uh, we've so often looked at Paul's dissertation of 1 Corinthians 13, but this morning we're going to really focus in on something. Turn to John chapter 15. And we're going to reflect on the words of Jesus today. This community is the great love. He's the great love. That's what brings me. 
As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide with me. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. A greater love is known than this, that someone laid down his life for his friend. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, but the servant does not know what his master is doing. For I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have known you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the Father's name, you may do. These things I command you. This is what friendship is about. Notice that God doesn't call them servants or slaves. He calls them friends. He calls them friends. These things are my friends that you say that have not to do with me and the Father. He still loves us enough to die for us on the cross and call us friends. Always love this because one of the
no pastor is required to consider himself as well. All right? But that's the truth. That's the truth. You deserve to know the truth. Why? Because I call you my friend. If I call you my friend and I don't treat you like my friend, then what would I say? What kind of love would I have? That's a selfish love. It's one that I want to stream you along what results and benefits you. No, you're my friend, so I tell you the truth. And let you decide for yourself how you approach that. How do you approach that back? Well, you do something for you that will do something for others in some form of fashion. That's my hope. I fall upon the author of love here with the things. Right? And as we continue to progress, I think some of that stuff has narrowed itself out. We've figured it out along the way. But this is what we mean on deep contributors. Only if there is comfort and pure honesty and openness. And this is what I mean, he told them it was coming, right? And they're oblivious when it does. They're like, no. But Peter, remember Peter, we talked about this? No. Uh uh-uh, not you, man. That's not going to work. <laughs> you know, he said, no, 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 no. I know you don't get it. But this is what's happening. I'm going to do this because I love you. I'm going to do this, right? And the neat thing about this, when Jesus starts to talk about love, and he starts to grasp, well, listen, I'm doing this so that you can be with me where I am, right? Where is this? Where do we know that we're going to this place that is eternal, this place that is promised? We call it heaven, uh, 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 the celestial place where we go when we die to be what? With him, right? Where he's prepared a place for us, right? Whatever that looks like. It doesn't matter if it's a mansion or if it's, it doesn't matter. It's where he is. That's what's important. And, and when we get there and we're with him, we're with him to win. Like forever, Right? Which leads me to this. There's two things that Jesus really reveals about love that Paul doesn't talk about in 1 Corinthians. And it's the only two things I want to talk about. And again, I'm going to make this case really clear and short because I don't think it requires a whole bunch. Number one is this. Love is eternal. It existed, Paul said, uh, in Ephesians, before the foundations of the world, God had chosen you. Right? Before Genesis began, God was already thinking about you. Right? Before you were born, he counted the hairs on your head. He knew you. Right? You have lived now. Jesus says, you know what? Since you're, you're going to be alive in this world, you're already free. I'm going to put Jesus in the world. He's going to die. We're going to, I'm going to make a way for you to be with me. How long? Forever. So my love started before you came, and it will, it will never end. Right? It's eternal. It's eternal both ways, man. Pretty amazing. Right? What does that reveal in us? If you, if the love you have only lasts a few months, it's not love at all. As God is eternal, so is love. And when we compare our love to this standard, come on. Our love is so subpar. Our love is so weak and feeble and self-serving. Right? Can I tell you, as a youth pastor, I can't tell you how many times I've heard teenagers and young adults quote that word, love, around. Only to be completely like out of love in a few months. You said you were in love. Pastor, that was like two months ago. Two months ago. It's, listen, it's 
are still learning about love, right? The truth is, we shouldn't be so quick to rush into anything when it comes to that word. Temporal love isn't love, it's something else. And there are other things that we are hard to believe as love, but how? We can't do it. Why? Simply because it didn't last. Love is eternal. And the Bible says it. So we must conclude that. That's when I really start to see a lot of different cultures. Because what I love is holding the hand of you. That's not love. <laughs> That's loving for how you are around someone else. That's loving you and giving you love. Right? Yeah, is it awesome? Will that happen? say the words I love you and then not be the case, the more words are going to mean. I see this a lot. But how would you like it if someone said they love you, but you know what? They really said it for you. Did you feel special? I mean, you know, one of the things I think we have to think about is Christ uh, is that same thing. Right? God, well, God loves everybody. Yeah, but, yeah, but God would go on to say that it's counted the number of days on your individual head. He's taking the time to know to know you. He has a purpose and a plan for you individually. Right? God actually takes the time to say, I know you as a person and I have all the time to work with you and I could. I could. Right? He spends a lot of time breaking down the idea that God that he loves in general. He spends a lot of time talking about how much he loves specifically. Mm-hmm. A lot. And then go look at the people three the prophets. They're nobodies. They're nobodies. He picked them that way on purpose. So that you would think for yourself, when you think you're nobody, that look, God loves nobodies. He loves them. Remember we talked about this with Hebrews, right? Oh, yeah, look at the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. This is so great, right? But then there's these people down at the bottom that their names didn't get written in. And what does he say about them? Well, they're too good for this world. He knew all their names. Right? Can I tell you? It won't be all those names that you read Moses and Abraham there at the front of the line of worship. It'll be all the ones you why? Because they didn't need to be famous. They didn't need to be the leader out in front and all those things like that. Well, the first shall be last. The ones that we place on first and they're our heroes in the Bible, they'll be at the back of the line. 
I'm telling you, it's all these ones that God said. God said himself that he did the Holy Spirit. Think about it. If, if there is ever a uh, love story there, it's when a God of the universe says that his creation is too good for his own. These, these people, you wouldn't even know their name. These people believed in me and never saw the things you get to see. They're too, they were too good for this world. You know what? So I kept them for myself. I took them out of all that traffic so I could have them for myself. Right? And who do you think is going to be the closest one? It's going to be them, the ones you want to recognize. Who are these people? Good or nobody. Crazy. And if that means you fall in love with the bad, I'm telling you. you know, the weird thing, too, is that the, one of the things we're fighting now is this culture, right? This culture that says this word all the time. Right? We love Keller. We love TV, we love songs, we love cameras, we love photos, we love everything, right? And and, and the, the, the unfortunate part of all this is like, it, it's never been used before. This is like this giant, they call it the giant experiment, right? The social media experiment of all generation, right? It's never been there. I can't even fathom that that's ever happened in my life. Man, I just can't fathom. Uh, uh, any of these other social media services, um, it, it, we're, we're witnessing something on a large scale we've never seen. We, we've never been in this. So the interesting thing about it, and we see this a lot, especially if you're around a lot of younger individuals, whether it's young adults or teenagers and stuff, is you know, Facebook, some of the social media, you see people flashing in and out of their lives all the time, right? And uh, listen, I, I, I see it all the time. Uh, you kind of see what the flavor of the month is, right? So like, uh, uh, I see kids and adults literally telling each other how much they love each other. Like, they'll change their status from, like, they're not even married, but they'll change it to marriage. Right while they're dating or something like that, and then they'll change it back. Like, all right, we're we're done. So I'm single again. Right? I, we laugh about it. Right? It's crazy how uh, I've seen so many people who've been Facebook married and Facebook divorced. Uh, it's pretty pretty amazing. Right? But how is any of that love? How is any of that love? Right? The people who just it just shows us how broken we are. But we want love so bad. It's just so. Broken for them. And I know that we don't fix the thing in the church that makes people not want to come. Or not more than just not want to come. Because you can, the problem, the biggest problem in church right now is people not, it's not necessarily coming because people are coming here. They're just not ready to talk about it. That's the biggest, that's the biggest battle we're facing right now. If we could just take the ones that are in church and actually make them Christians. <laughs> Listen, if I was to write down what Jesus Christ, New Testament, demands of his disciples and gave a test of do you measure up? Would you be able to say you measured up? And that's not what Old Testament says, and I'm not trying to make it about rules. God's got grace. Listen, it's never going to be perfect, but that doesn't mean we don't aspire to do what Jesus says. Right? God's kind of a big deal. He's God. Um, it, the problem has to be that we, we, we got to start thinking and if that means getting rid of something, getting rid of something, we have to get rid of it. If that, if that means uh, uh, being honest and, and people will go where they go, then that's fine. Maybe that's what that means. But I tell you, the world can't take one thing, can't take anybody, can't take anybody else from this church. Christianity is dying not because Christianity is not irrelevant. Christianity is dying because people are seeing things and people that are actually sitting in the church. Now, why 
why, why, why should, what's the difference between going to church and just leaving the world? You can do all the things in the world. How do you ever set apart if you live inside the world? Jesus is the one who said we're supposed to be set apart. That's all New Testament. That's not peculiar people set apart. That's none of that's Old Testament. That's all New Testament stuff. The New Testament church is supposed to be different. The New Testament church is supposed to exercise themselves in love, which means they love eternal, which means they forgive people. Why? Because uh, I promise you, the New Testament church knows a lot about sin. Because it's one of the first ones that has to go, okay, uh, I say it's not the first one. In the Old Testament, they had to do the whole, you know, the funny thing is we think, well, the Old Testament, you know, that's just old and scary. I don't think you've read the New Testament. <laughs> I mean, you forget within like the uh, fourth chapter, fifth chapter, Ananias and Sapphira are indebted to the lie. They just kind of like lied a little bit. So they, they wanted to look really good, right? You remember the story they wanted to, they were selling property because uh, everybody was Let's just say that dirty or whatever. I can't remember exactly what it said, but like they even sold corn and just you know. And so, like, when they come and say, How did you sell? We sold dirty. Wait a minute. How much did you sell? What they wanted was the glory like they had done it all. Right? But the problem is this it wasn't bad. It should have just said 20. How bad is that? That's not bad. That wasn't bad. And I, honestly, I think if they could just said 20 and just went off, it wouldn't have been an issue. Everybody would just praise their name, which is what they really wanted. That's New Testament. That's New Testament. That's not Old Testament, right? That's New Testament. You look at some of the stuff that's happening in the New Testament, it's pretty crazy. And if you're not, if you're ever going to be as impactful as they were, you really have to, at some point, get real. And it's written in love. All of it's written. this out when you're married. That love is a choice. Because marriage teaches us that when you promise to love someone, it's not as easy as just saying, I love you. Right? Try just saying that while you're arguing. I love you. Shut up. Like, only your other spouse will tell you that when they're like, oh, that's supposed to be something sweet. Uh, welcome to marriage. In marriage, you've already moved past that. You've got to work. Love is when you work all those things out. All, all the, the other side of that, right? When when, hey, I don't, that whole feeling that love gets you is like that initial feeling where, like, don't get me wrong, like, I still think there's a measure that it carries throughout your entire uh, marriage, but it changes. In the beginning, it's just so raw and new, and it's, it's this great adventure of the unknown, but listen, after a decade, it's not unknown. 
All right? Guess what decade number two is? A lot like decade number one. Except if you're if you're loving correctly, maybe less rights. Because you're learning how to be yourself. Because marriage is one thing that you can have self-love. We think we do it all the time. If it is, it's going to end up something rough in some way. It just cannot be that way. There has to be compromises, right? Love is not a We see in Christ that it's his choice to express his love by dying for us. He chose that. And he chose to do it for us, right? Because he loved us, he chose to embrace the cross. He, it, love propelled him towards that road, right? And in doing so, he gives us this great example of what love in action looks like, right? Remember Romans 5 again? But God shows us love that even while we were yet still sinners, he died for us. Right? He, even though he knew how we were going to be, even though he knew how we would behave, even though he knew the kind of Christian we would be at times, he still chose to die for us. He revealed his love for us to this world by dying for us. And, and the question that always begs, right, is are you willing to die for those that you love? Now, before you say yes, what if it means just dying to yourself? Because uh, means that it also is that. It's easier. And I would totally die for you physically. I will take a bullet for you, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But will you die to your own self? What I mean by that is, will you put the things you want to the side and embrace the things that I want? That's a hard question. Before you say, like, oh, yes, I would obviously listen. Detach yourself from your feelings and think about what that means. That means that, uh, uh, ladies, we might not ask you about what you want for lunch. We might just take you where we want to go. <laughs> All right? That's how it might have to be, right? Can you do that? Mm -hmm. I heard somebody the other day talking about that, saying this is how he gets his wife to go out to eat somewhere. He'll name like, uh, be like, oh, I, you know, he can never figure out what she wants, and there's this huge argument about where to go eat. And he was saying the easiest thing is like, I've got a surprise for you. I'm going to take you someplace special. And you want to guess? And his wife, and she'll say the name. Yeah, that's it. That way you get her to admit that she wants to go. And then there's no argument, right? You don't have to have some place called where it's anywhere or anything. But what are all the names that we say for the places in oh, doesn't matter to me or, or I don't else. care. I don't, I don't care. care. Yeah. Yeah. I think we always everybody talks about having a restaurant called I don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. So I mean there, there's a lot of things that can you die to your flesh? Can you can you die to yourself so that your spouse and what she wants becomes your spouse? Or for me, it's exactly it is for me and husband. That has to happen. There has to be this give and take. I remember the first uh, just kind of sharing with you a personal uh, 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 marriage, how that's working. The first probably a decade of our marriage there was this grand pursuit of, of my wife for me. For me, I laid everything aside. My family, my brothers. I chased joy with everything in me and lived around her family and her sisters uh, for a long time. We lived on the same, we bought a house on the same street as her older sister, so she would always feel comfortable about having her family close by and moved to Washington twice so that we could be next to her family. We like the backgrounds. We like moved wherever they moved. And, and uh, all of that uh, uh, for a season. And then I remember there came a season where, like, I, I think we're in our 30s by this point, I was like, you know, I think it's time for, I think it's okay for us to think about our 
it's, I'm not, I still love her family. They're, to me, I've got a lot of great memories of being around, but I think it's okay for us to kind of do our own thing now. Like, and, and even coming down here, that was part of that. Like, I think it's okay where we can move away. And that was a huge support system. Can I tell you, when you always have your family around, that's a huge support system. You want to know what your marriage is really like? Move away from all your support system. Where it's just you two. And that all that, Celebrated, and just many of you were there for the renewals. And, and yeah, I tell you, it was, it was awesome. It was better than the first time. Uh, I love my wife more than I've ever loved her before. And yeah, it's not always been one of those things where I'll tell them to mad me love because they want it. It's been like we were kids all the time. No, it's been a work. It's been a work. But I don't say that as a bad thing. I say that as, like, yeah, you know, like Joy had a garden. She planted her garden this year, right? She's trying to do stuff in the past and really horrible at it. Can I tell you, we jumped up around the dance when we produced the first LP. You put a lot of work into something, right, that you failed maybe in the past, maybe you struggled before, and all of a sudden you see the fruit of your labor and it's looking good and everything is great. Now, can I tell you, that's kind of what it's been like. We, we put all this work into it over the years. And there's that while we've retained this love this since very beginning, there's a lot of things that we've done to help foster that along the way. Um, the, the, the walk through has always been this idea, the biblical idea. I said, I love you. I'm going to love you to the end. I'm going to love you to the end. As selfless as I can be. And I'm going to make that, I've made the decision to love you, which means I'm not always going to get my way. But you know what? The awesome thing is if the other person is also following Christ's example and leading in that capacity, it becomes the same thing she says. Right? So, uh, uh, I'm going. She's saying I'm going to love you, and and I'm going to choose to love you, uh, which is awesome because I'm not always lovable. And 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 the same goes. I think for both. There's times where you're human beings, right? You just mess up. Like you just mean sometimes. You wake up and you didn't have coffee. You found out you ran out, and then you're mad at the other person for not going to get it. Yeah, yeah, that's real. Welcome to life, right? And and. Or you just wake up having a bad day, you're woke up with a crick in your neck. It don't matter who talks to you. I mean, it just don't matter, right? You wake up and some days you have bad days, right? And because I love her, I go, okay, this is your day. Because I'll wake up one day and have a bad day. The things I practice in my are the silly things I practice in my own house, right? Why, why would I do it? Why would I be okay? That's not right for her to wake out bed. No, it's not right. But I can sit there and yell at her all for it, and that's not going to make it no, I'm going to love her and give her grace. I'm going to exercise love, right? What are the fruits of love? Forgiveness? I'm going to forgive her. Right? I'm going to exercise grace, mercy, and all those things, right? And hope that forgiveness will be my soul. It's so much about it. Right? 
He said, can you be be my ambassador of reconciliation? I represent you well, Croatia. I have left the world to you. You are the superman of this world. The thing that's simply saving our culture, our politics right now, everything that's going on with uh, I mean, all of a sudden, racism is a hot topic. Again, I didn't know it was that bad since the civil, uh, 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 the civil, uh, civil rights movements in the '60s. But apparently, we're still struggling so hard at that, which could cause some truth to some of that stuff. Uh, we've got all kinds of confusion and all kinds of disinformation stuff out there, and all these things. And there's so much chaos in the world right now. I mean, if you, I mean, I would advertise that do not watch the news because it's horrible right now. It's horrible. <laughs> I, and, and, and even in all of this, you know what God says? He's not shaken. He's not moved. And you know what else he says? I sent them to you. And if you shut up and you do nothing, how, how are they going to help anybody? Can I tell you, first of all, I'm not telling you to go out and be a social justice warrior. Go out and be Christian. Follow the, <clears throat> follow the commands of God. Be godly. Live a godly life, right? Be set apart. I'm telling you, if you'll just follow after Jesus, be loved as he is loved, you will be set apart. People will notice you. But there's the back. They persecuted them and hated Jesus. Jesus said, be like me. I know you don't want to be hated. But Jesus is called 